Let's give God a round of applause. How many people are excited to be in the house of God this morning? Oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, now I know the cameras can't see who's in the room, but I'm in this room with some special people today. Whatever room you are in, whoever you're with, uh, you're with some special people as well. And if you're by yourself, then you're there with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. Amen. Uh, thank you for bearing with us this morning and uh, our difficulties. Uh, today's Sunday, so you're probably used to seeing us on YouTube, and we had to switch over to Facebook. Um, so the devil tried to get us, but God's going to get the victory. Amen? Yes. Last week, we declared that we are the unstoppable church. And it does not matter what comes in our way. If we have to climb over, if we have to climb beneath, if we have to find our way around, we will push through and we will get there. Amen. So uh, thank you to everyone that is pushing. Thank you to everyone that is climbing. Thank you to those that are abasing all to do the Lord's work. Amen. And I'm truly excited to share God's word with you. And I'm going to tell you, uh, you do need something this morning, and that is going to be uh, your Bibles. So if you have a physical Bible, you're going to get some exercise today. Or if you have a Bible app, then I'm going to encourage you to open that up. Amen. Because today is going to be more of a walkthrough through scripture. Um, I have a lot, of, a lot of scripture for us, uh, but that's with intention. I believe that it's important that we teach uh, and we preach the word of God by our experiences. Amen. I believe it's important to share revelations that God gives to us. But I believe none of those supersede the teaching of Scripture. And what is good practice is you take your experiences and you take those revelations and you bring them into Scripture and let Scripture define your experience and let Scripture define those revelations. Amen? And so I believe that we're, we're stepping into a revelation that the church is unstoppable. And I made an announcement last week, in the midst of everything that is taking place, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of everything turning upside down for us and us having to do life in a way that we've never done so before, I felt in my spirit to share and remind the church that God wins in the end. Okay? Christ is victorious in the end. It does not matter what it looks like to us. It doesn't matter what it feels like to us in the present situation. Christ is victorious. So what does that mean? That his church is also victorious. We need to be the bride of Christ that remains faithful to the end in order for us to have the victory that Christ is going to have. The Bible tells us he's going to return in the clouds with his angels. And he is going to defeat Satan and Satan's demonic angels and his forces. He's going to defeat death. Things are going to end up in the pit of hell, okay? So God, Jesus is not going to lose. The only thing is that we have to decide to be on God's team, amen? We have to decide to be the bride of Christ. That is without spot, that is without blemish, that is without wrinkle. We must be the faithful remnant till the end. So that means we have to climb over. That means we have to climb beneath. That means we have to push through. That means we're going to have to sidestep a couple of things. But we have to be faithful to the end to take 
impart, take impart the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I felt in my heart to begin this message that we are the unstoppable church. So if you're feeling weak, I want to speak life into you. If you have fear, I want to speak courage into you. If you are doubting, I want to speak faith into you. And start declaring. You don't have to see it to declare it. You don't have to feel it to declare it. God has given us the, the, has given us the ability as his church to prophesy life when we see death. Ezekiel saw a valley that God carried him in the spirit and took him into a valley where he saw dry bones. And then God told him, prophesy, speak life, speak breath into the bones. And though Ezekiel saw death, he spoke life. And then the bones that were dry, he started to see the bones coming together. And he heard the rattle of the bones. He heard the noise of the bones as they came together. And when the bones came together, then he saw the tendons of the bones starting to fuse them back together again. And then he saw the flesh start to appear. And then the Lord told him, this is Israel who seemed at one time without hope. But your ability to prophesy life into death brings it back to life. And so we have the ability to bring resurrection in the midst of dead things. So right now, in the situation that we are in right now, that it seems like darkness, we have the ability to prophesy light in the midst of the darkness. Whatever you see contrary to the Word of God, by our mouth and the power of prophecy, we can speak it back to life. Amen? Amen. So here is a theme verse for the entire series of Unstoppable Church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. These are the final chapters. So we're kind of starting at the end. And throughout this, the course of these weeks, we're, we're going forward. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26 reads, and I'm going to read from the New International Version. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done. Not some things, not a few things. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So that's powerful because it's teaching us right away that whatever you are contributing is building up the entire church. Amen? So whether you're taking part here or you're taking part over there, maybe you don't do what your brother or sister does. Maybe you're not the pastor. Maybe you're not the one standing in front of the camera. Maybe the microphone is not on you. But whatever you bring and whatever I bring and whatever we all bring, it is all contributing to the church to be built up. And that is a powerful revelation. I believe one of the revelations that we are stepping into in this season is that the show is over. Where, where church has become about who's in front of the camera, we are stepping into a deeper revelation and we're, we're coming into the reality that the church was never about one person in front of a camera. I, uh, trust me, I understand why we have a camera. I understand why there is someone in front of the camera. If you only knew what was happening on the other end of the camera. <laughs> if you could only see earlier today. Right now you see me and I look like the star because the mic's on me and it sounds wonderful and I got a backdrop music right now. 
But the reality is what's behind the camera is just as important in order to produce what the camera's showing. And there was about five people going nuts earlier, <laughs> trying to figure something out. We had people on the phone who weren't even in the room contributing to this moment right now. So do not tell me that this is a show. Do not tell me that the church is about one person. I don't care how gifted, I do not care how anointed someone is, they cannot do it by themselves. So when we come together, what shall we say, brothers and sisters? Each of us have an instruction. Each of us have a tongue. Someone's got a song. Someone's got a revelation. Someone's got to plug the camera in. Someone's got to adjust the volume. But we're all doing it so that what? The church may be built up. So I want to do this right now. I, if I could, I would, but I won't. If I could, I would turn that camera and just give credit to everyone behind the scenes. And so I can't physically do that. I will verbally do that. I want to thank not just in our church, but the church of God. Every person's name that is never mentioned, every person that is not seen, who comes early, two hours before whatever time is necessary so that the pastors could show up and preach a sermon with their nice shirt on. I try to put on a nice one. Got some they're not pineapples, they're globes. <laughs> okay. But to everyone that is never seen, to every ministry, to every person that's never acknowledged in the spotlight, thank you for building up the church of God. So we've ended the show last week, and God has a message for us to go in today. So that's the main theme scripture, okay, that we read. That's going to be the theme scripture of the series, but each week there's a main scripture that we're going to focus on. So now this is the scripture for today. Romans 12, New International Version, from verses 3 to 7. Now this is the Apostle Paul again, but this letter is not to the Corinthian church, it's to the Roman church. We're going to read other letters that Paul wrote to all the different churches. And what is beautiful, and I was telling this with my, my wife this week, I said, you know what's amazing? That Paul, when he writes to the church of Corinth, or if he writes to the church uh, in Rome, if he writes to the Galatian, if he writes to the Ephesians, right? All these different churches, when he's teaching them, and here, also know this, they weren't written like back to back. It wasn't like, hey, today's Monday, let me write to the church of Corinth. Tuesday, I'll write to the church of Ephesus, you know. Then on a Wednesday, I got the Philippian church, you know, the church of Philippi, no. There was space in between these letters. Sometimes these letters were written uh, different years apart, different time periods apart. But here's the beautiful thing. When he spoke to all of them, it didn't matter if it was days apart, years apart, months apart, different things going on. The word of God was the same throughout. There was a consistency in his teaching. That's powerful. It didn't matter when God was using him to speak to the church. God's word didn't change. It was a different church with a different situation, and maybe he addressed certain issues that were going on in one church that weren't going on in the other, but when you saw him teaching about love to one church, whatever he spoke about love to this church, it was the same for that church when he spoke about love. He wasn't altering, hear me, the word of God depending on the person. And let me tell you this, God does not alter his word of God according to you. Well, God, you just know I'm like this. God's word remains the same, and then he calls you into the power of his word so we can become better, so we can change, so we can see a new glory of God. But we will never see a new glory of God if we remain the same. If I'm going to remain hard-headed and say I was just born this way, then I will never see the glory of God. 
If I say I was born sick, if I was born feeling this way, if I was born with these emotions, and, and, and I refuse to be open to God's words uh, and his ability to change my life, then I'm, I'm going to remain the same and I'm never going to experience the power of God's word. So we also want to be a modern day church. Hear me. That what the word of God says about love, that that kind of love is reflected at the dwelling place church and it should be reflected in all the churches across. Not because the dwelling place church is the standard, it's because God's word is the standard. When we talk about uh, the potential of the body of Christ and who they are, that message should be throughout the entire churches, not just in one church. Amen? Okay, sorry. Uh, just so good to see the consistency of the word of God. Romans 12, verses 3 to 7. Remember, we have a lot of scripture today. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in, in accordance with the faith of God, uh, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, meaning body parts, right? And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form how many bodies? One. And each member, look at this, belongs to all the others. I just read a message saying that I belong to you. I just read a verse that the Word of God says, even though we're many members, we all make up one body of Christ. There's not a different body of Christ over here and another body of Christ over there. I know that's how, sometimes how we perceive it. Like, it's just me and God. How many times have we said that? It's just me and God, and you could stay over there. <laughs> but if I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, the challenge is, how do I belong to you and how do you belong to me? so that we can make up and represent one body, not Christ, divided. Oh, it's so hard. Because we don't all like. <laughs> if we're, we don't always click. We like some others more than others. Now, I'm not talking about we all got to be best friends and you got, if your church is 2,000 people, then you got 2,000 best friends. It's impossible. But there is a sense where we cannot be divided in spirit because to do that is then to divide the body. And here's the thing. Here's the underlying message of today. The power of the body is when we come together. That's why Ezekiel prophesied. And when he's prophesied life, the bones started coming together. It's an indication that real resurrection happens when things that are divided come together. Imagine he would have prophesied life and then the elbow would have just got up and walked off and the foot would have ran the other direction. God told him to prophesy life and as he spoke life, what God showed him was that real life is about pieces coming together. And that's why Paul's able to say, ooh, I hear myself good. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and this is verse four, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we don't many form one body. Now it makes sense when he says, and each member belongs to all the others. 
Verse six, we have different gifts according to the what? Grace given to each of us. Say this, grace, grace. gifts. All of God's grace comes with gifts. God does not provide grace without gift. And you're going to see that theme throughout everything that we read today. Grace comes with a gift. Verse 5, so in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to all the others. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Your gift has come out of the grace that was given to you. Look, uh, it continues. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, which is also some Bibles might say exhort, to exhort or exhortation, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, meaning compassion, do it cheerfully. And what I love about this, he's saying, this grace that you received has become a gift to you. The grace that you received became a gift for some of prophecy. The grace that was given to another, that gift became giving. To another, someone's grace presented them the gift of exhortation. To another, someone received uh, grace and their gift came as mercy and compassion. Now, the text that we just read before that says this, that we all have different gifts. So here's another thing that I want to help the Unstoppable Wood Church with in this season. That you do not need to copy your brother or sister's gift. You do not... You do not have more grace by doing what they do. The Bible says that God has all given us grace and that grace came with a specific gift. So I want to set you free right now. You do not need to be someone else. You don't got to do what someone else do. All you need to do is give your grace, which is your gift, according to the faith that's been given to you so that you can use that gracious gift. I thank God that I got delivered a couple of years ago that I did not have to be T.D. Jakes. <laughs> I got delivered. I got delivered because growing up, that was the grace that I saw in that man and I saw his gift. And I said, when I, then all of a sudden I get, I, I receive a grace from God and God calls me to pastor. I'm like, oh, I got to speak now. Man, I must be, gotta be T.D. Jakes. I must gotta have that gift. And then I realized that, look at this, you can be graced with the same gift, but it doesn't mean that you have to be the same person. Even when the gift is the same. And you got so many people chasing other people's gifts. And by doing that, you're actually running away from the grace that God has given to you. So you have to be okay and you have to be satisfied with the gift that God has given me. If God has not called me to prophesy, then I'm not going to prophesy. If he's called me to be generous, then I got to do it generously. And when I do what God has created me to do, then I am exalting God in the gift according to the measure of faith that he's given to me. And now I contribute to the whole body being built up. Oh my God. Someone say, thank God for deliverance. I just need to find my gift. Last week I told you, every man needs to find his work. What is his work? 
the reason for which you were created. There's not a person on this planet that is here without God having work in mind. He told the prophet Jeremiah, and I said this last week, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What? He was ordained. He was anointed before he even got here. <laughs> there was anointing on the word of who he was, even before he was a person. And so when Jeremiah got here, even though he's like, oh, but I'm young, I can't do this. God's like, there's an assignment, there's a purpose in your life. So today, to the person that just feels like they're living life day to day and they're just taking it as it comes, I want to tell you that there's a God-given assignment for your life. There's a God-given purpose of your life. I don't care what you experienced when you, you know, in your childhood, the pains and things that you suffered, uh, whatever they were, God still has purpose for you. I do not care how old you think you are. It's not too late. It is not too late. God needs you and the rest of us need you. Why? Because we belong to each other so that means if I don't like you and I try to hide my grace from you then what God put inside me is not going to be able to build you up why because I have divided myself from you so now there's a standard to push through our difficulties there's a standard to push through our differences there's a standard to get past our divisions in order for us really to build each other up I might not like you but you have something that I need <laughs> because God gave me a grace and he gave you a grace and it's until those two graces are working together are we being built up oh my goodness okay so here's my title when we come together that's what we read in 1 Corinthians 14 26 what shall we then say brothers and sisters when you come together each of you has x y and z so everything must be done so that the church may be built up so I know, don't get mad at me, don't get mad at me. I know you believe that when you separate yourself with God, that is when you're being built up. It's only part of it. Your separation with God is where God is filling you. And yes, there's intimacy going between you and God. And yes, there's a level of God building you up. But it's not until you come out of that secret place and come into the midst of the rest of the body. And as you were in your secret place, right, being built up by God, someone else was in their secret place being built up by God. And then when you come together, you release what you received in the secret place. And now we start to be even more edified than when we were apart. So don't get mad at me when you're just telling me, nope, I don't like to pray with the church. I like to pray alone. <laughs> I need you to pray alone. And I needed you to take everything that you received while you prayed alone and release it into the rest of the body. I know you like to study your Bible by yourself, but you need to study the word of God. Take everything that you receive from the word of God and then try to release it into the body. And when you start releasing your grace and I start releasing my grace and we all start contributing the grace that was given to us and you have compassion that I don't have and you release that compassion, that compassion rubs off on me. If you have a forgiveness, if you have a gift to bring and we start putting that all in the middle, then yes, the church will start to be built up. So this can't be a show where one person is giving to everyone. I need to give according to the measure that was given to me. But I need you to give according to the measure that God has given you. 
And when everyone starts giving what they have, when we start giving our love and we start giving our effort and we start giving our time and we stop coming with our popcorn and we stop coming with our juice boxes, we'll be a lot stronger. Someone say amen. Amen. That's a good intro for a lot of substance already. So we're just going to keep going with it. Say grace and gift. Grace and gift. God's grace has come with a gift. Uh, Let's start here. Salvation is a grace. It's the grace of God. And the gift is eternal life. Right? The grace for us to be forgiven. That's God's grace. For him to love us is his grace. For him to have mercy on us is his grace. For us to have forgiveness is a grace. But the grace comes with a gift, and the gift is eternal life. So you see that every grace, as it comes into fulfillment, ends up being a gift somehow. So God loved us. That was his grace. And now we have eternal life in heaven with him, and there's mansions being prepared. It's not just grace by itself. Every grace comes with a gift. And so if you really want to be graceful, it's not just about your smile. It's not just about how you come into a room. It's if that grace is also able to manifest in someone else's life. And my cute smile is not just what you see, but it's what you feel. Right? That my hello that I wave is not superficial. That hello is a real embrace that is felt. So the grace has to turn into an actual gift. Right, for me to say I love you, but then you don't feel it, that would be a grace without a gift. But every grace of God has a gift, tangible. The grace becomes tangible. So for us who walk around and say, yes, I have the grace of the Lord. He saved me. But no one feels <laughs> that saving, then you're walking, out with, you're walking around with a grace that is not being manifested as a gift. So you, got, you receive Christ, but you're nasty. That's grace without a gift, right? You come into church, you do your thing, and then you walk out. Don't say how to, you, you, you come to the body, but you never connect with the body. You're trying to come into grace, but you're not leaving a gift. So every grace comes with a gift. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. We read this last week. For by what? Grace you have been saved. Look, it's for, by, look. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that of not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. See, the grace has a gift. God's grace, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we also receive grace. But our good works become the gift also. What we do is the gift of the grace that we received. Which God prepared when? Beforehand, that we should walk in them. So there you go again. There's a work that is prepared beforehand. Before you and I got here, God already had a grace and a gift for you to walk in. So, so when I say yes to Jesus, I come into the kingdom of God. I have the gift of eternal life ahead of me. Beautiful, right? But I don't just come into the grace of God's kingdom. That brings me into the body of Christ, okay? So when I say yes to Jesus, hear me, I don't just get God and Jesus. I get the rest of the body. So when you said yes to God and you surrendered your heart, you didn't just get God. You got all of us. (laughs) 
You got me. You got her. You got him. You got the entire body of Christ. You said yes to God, but it was a big package. We all were there. And we're all like. <laughs> I can imagine someone coming to church saying yes to Jesus. I hope these are not one of those crazy church people. Those spooky church people. <laughs> like Some of us may have been graced into a more. Well, never mind. I'm not going to concede that. Okay. But we come into a body. And now here's the thing. Here's foundation for you. Okay, so if we come into a body, right? Think of a body. Think of an actual body. Our body, your body. Your body has a, a head. Everything that is flowing, everything that is moving, right, is stemming from the head. And the, bread, the head contains the the brain and the signals and everything that's being processed there it, it, it's all streaming it's, it's connected to your spine and your spinal cord is connected to the rest your rest of your organs your, your your body's connected to the spine the spine's connected to the brain everything is flowing from here on out now guess what the scripture tells us that we have a head in our body and that head is not you it's not me it's not your pastor it's not the voice of, of whoever you think it is. The head is Christ. The head of the body is Christ. So I enter into a spiritual kingdom when I say yes to God. Beautiful, but I enter into a body. Who is the head of the body? Christ is the head of the body. Your past ain't the head of the body. He might be the, the, the highest level of authority within the church, right? And, and you need that, and I understand that, but Christ must be the head. If your pastor is afraid, or whoever you follow is afraid to say that Christ is the head, then there's a problem. If, if, if they start to convey messages as if they are the head, if they are the supremacy of all things, then there's a problem. If you never hear your pastor say, I need to consult God. If you never hear your pastor say, we need to pray and seek what God is saying, then there's a problem if they always have an answer. Because life will bring you situations uh, that you haven't yet passed through, and it's impossible for you to have an answer. It's impossible for you to have an experience. There comes a point where you got to say, I just need to pray about it. So you got to make sure whoever is in charge, wherever you are at, they are declaring in some kind of way that Christ is the head. And when you say yes to God, I know you like to be the head of all things. I know in your house you want to be the head of your home, and I know you want to be the head boss and you want to be the head honcho wherever you're at, but you're going to have to not think of yourself so highly as the scripture said and surrender yourself and say, God, I need you to be the head. I lived 30 years as the boss, but it's time for me to allow you to be the boss. That is part of us saying yes to God. We surrender our hearts. So people got to understand what they're saying. We got to instruct people what they're doing. When you say, God, here I am, I surrender my heart to you, you are saying, God, have your headship back in my life. Be king. I take me, dethrone me, God, so you can be God, so God can be the head. How many of us are actually living with Christ being the head? If you made all your decisions without consulting God, then you have made yourself the head. Colossians 1, verse 17 through 18. He is before all things, not you. <laughs> and in him all things hold together. Oh, I have, that was a big reality when I realized I'm not the one holding all things together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, 
and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. It is God who is the head. I'm going to declare right now at the Dwelling Place Church, in our church, God is the head, and you need to know that. And when we don't have an answer for, for you, we are seeking the headship of Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So when you say yes to God, you're no longer a stranger. You're no longer far away. You're no longer an outcast, but you are a fellow citizen, but not by yourself. You are a citizen with the saints and the members of the household of God. We're together, whether we like it or not. Whether we agree or not, we're together and we're going to have to figure it out. If there are disagreements, we're going to have to work for peace. If there's separation, we're going to have to try to uh, bring, uh, bring us together again because why we are members of the household of God. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of who? The apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He's the headstone in all of this. Verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together. Look at this beautiful verse. For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So God is building us into a dwelling place. A place where he can come and dwell in the Spirit of God. So I want to just continue a little bit and tell you, you are unique, you are distinct, and you are vital. God needs you. But even more than God needing you, we need you. Look to your neighbor and tell them, I need you. I need you. You may not want me, <laughs> but I need you. We may not be there yet eye to eye, but I'm going to admit, I'm going to, I'm going to, abase myself right now and tell you I need you. I'm going to humble myself and tell you I need you. I know it feels better when you can tell, I can, I can do it on my own. It's a better feeling, right? Here, you feel like, yeah, I could do this on my own. I got this. Leave me alone, woman. <laughs> I got it. It makes you feel strong when you can push her away and just carry all the bags by yourself. But you know deep down inside that bag is heavy, bro. And then when you got to the door, you had to figure out which bag I put down to grab the key. And she's just standing there behind like, I could have helped with a couple of those bags. <laughs> it feels better to tell people that you don't need them. But the reality is we do need each other, especially if we're trying to be the body of Christ. Romans 12 verses 4 to 6 say this, Romans 12 and a New International Version. For just as each of us has one body with many members. Do you know there's over 200 plus bones in your body? Do you know there's over 70 plus organs within your body? And each bone, each organ has a function, has its own place, has its own respect, is carrying its own weight, is doing something. You can never just say, oh, I just don't need that. We need it. And when, when, when it's functioning, it carries a weight and it allows us to function better. When all pieces are coming together, when all things are working, when all things are playing their part. You know, if, 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 you're, if you lost a finger, then the other fingers have to compensate. 
If you lose a ligament, then the body has to readjust and carry extra weight somewhere. But in a perfect and whole design, all pieces are there, all pieces are working together, and then the body is functioning how it was intended to function. So verse 4 again, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, while I thank God for your uniqueness, I thank God for you being distinct, because we do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's awesome. That's awesome. We have different gifts according to the grace each, uh, according to the grace given to each of us. So we can end all the jealousy. We can end all the envy. If God's calling you to prophesy, then prophesy. If he's calling you to serve, then serve. If he's calling you to teach, teach. If he's calling you to exhort, exhort. If he's calling you to give, give. If he's calling you to lead, then lead. If he's calling you with mercy, then mercy. Ephesians 4, verses, uh, let's look at verse 7. Ephesians 4, 7. Uh, this is New King James Version translation. But to each one of us, grace was given. So you have a grace given to you. There's a grace. You're going to have to dig deep. Don't think that God saved you and he didn't give you a grace. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. The grace has a gift. You have something to give. That's part of today. That's part of all of this, all of these scriptures. Because there's so many people that belong to the body of Christ, but don't feel they have anything to give. They feel they're not a contribution. They don't feel that they're carrying weight. No, you are gifted by God. The problem is that you've been looking at, what you're, looking at your brother or your sister's gift and you're trying to pull that out, but that's not in you. And so you're going to your pockets trying to find that and then when you reach in, you're not pulling that out and then now you think that you don't have anything to give. Don't reach into your pocket to try and find what your brother or sister has. Reach into your pocket to find what God has placed on the inside of you. Verse 11, and he gave some to be apostles. Not all. Some. There's some people predestined for such. Some prophets. We're not all prophets. We all can prophesy, but we're not all prophets. Some evangelists. We all evangelize, called to the Great Commission, but that calling of evangelists, there are certain people specific, some to be evangelists. Some pastors, we all have to be caring and we all have to be loving and we all have to be nurturing, but we're not all pastors of the flock of the sheep of Christ. There's some and some teachers. We all must be students and we all must be learning, but not all of us are equipped with the gifting to be able to teach so that someone else can learn. Look, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's the next thing that's super important. The grace you receive has come with a gift and it's different. It looks different in all of us. That gift that you have is not for self-edification. It's not for self-glorification. And so we got to be careful that when God starts using us, we're not using the gift to be seen and to be admired. 
we want to know in our heads that as God is using us, and I want to know that I'm being used by God, and I want you to know that you're anointed and God is using you, but I want us to know that you're not doing it so that someone else could simply admire you, for someone simply to praise you, for someone simply to glorify you. No, I want to know that I'm being used by God so that I can be building my brother and my sister up in the Lord so that God can be glorified. And let me tell you, the enemy is smart. He'll try to keep you in a place where you're not using your gift. And when you finally do pick up your gift, he gets you to self-internalize and gets you to think that it's about you. So that after God has used you, you're like, oh yeah, when are you going to invite me again? How many songs do you want me to sing? Two, eight. <laughs> You want me to preach for 30 minutes or two hours? I can do it. God has gifted you and he has graced you to do it. But it's not for self-glorification. It is for God's glorification. So you got to learn how to be present, but get out the way. You got to learn how to be there, but not be there. You got to know how to, I'm showing up because God has something on the inside of me and I'm coming to bring what's on the inside of me that God has graced me with. But once I give it, let me get out the way so that people then can be left with, wow, God blessed you. And not, Pastor, thank you where you've been. <laughs> and that's why I love that I could disappear for four weeks. I could disappear for five weeks. And not be in the spotlight. But God still show up. Why? Because someone else has a grace inside of them. And there's someone else who also is gifted to teach. And someone also gifted to evangelize. And someone also gifted to prophesy. And someone also gifted to sing. Now you guys can't see this, but we have singers rotating. They got gifts of singing, but they're all unique. We got different piano players rotating and different musicians coming in and out and different people preaching. But guess what? It's the same God that's showing up. It's the same glory that is showing up. And so we don't care. We don't got to be in the front for there to be glory. And I want to tell you, be careful when the only reason when you want to be part of this is when you got to part. You got to We got to be careful. It's like you ready to be here every Sunday, right? Because the camera's here on Sunday, but you wasn't there on Bible study. Oh, because they didn't give you a part, then you didn't show up to the Bible study. Oh, you found an excuse for Bible study that was justifiable. You didn't show up to prayer service because you weren't leading the prayer call. I've been on every single prayer call, and there were times when I didn't say a word. But I was there, why? Because I'm part of the body. And there's a prayer gift inside a brother or sister and I'm showing up, not, at that point, I'm not showing up to give what the grace that I was given. I'm going to receive the grace that God has given you yeah. so that you can build up the church. And I thank God for people who have been praying and rotating. You have been building me up, I want to tell you that. So as much as you say, oh, Pastor, I love when you preach, your word gets to me. I want to tell you, as much as you pray, as much as you sing, as much as you prophesy, as much as you stand, as much as you help, it builds me up. So thank you. I'm here because of what I received in private from God, but I'm also here because of what I received in public from you. So we can't just be a private church that tucks away in the corner. 
Also, church, be careful when you say, hey, man, we just got to build a whole Christian community and lock the doors and don't let the devil in. That'll be great if we could take over. But if that takeover is simply just to keep us in and to keep others out, then we too are then being a church that has a bunch of grace and the gift is staying inside. The grace is meant to go outside to bring others in. Let's keep reading. Verse uh, 13, till we all come to unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. All of us to a perfect man or perfect woman, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're building. We're trying to build everyone into the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. We need to be built up by one another because all of that's taking place. Strange doctrine has taken place. There are men tricking people. There's all kinds of... The enemy is risen against the church of God. So I need to be coming to be built up because there is resistance against the church of God. Your flesh is at war with the spirit of God in you. Romans, I believe, is 6 says this, that the, 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 the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh is warring against the spirit. And the two are enemies. They will never come together. They are contrary with one another. And so while I'm here, the Spirit of God is overflowing, but then when you close the door, the flesh comes out. And now if I didn't receive anything in the midst of my brothers and sisters, and then I'm left in private to fight, I, I need what you have. We all need what each other has. So when we get alone in private, we have strength to fight. We have something to fall back on. I think of the worship song you sing. I think of the encouraging words that you encourage someone with. I think of your compassion and your mercy that you had on me. So I could say, okay, God, God's doing something in me. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. There you go. There's another book, another passage. And still Christ is the head. He was the head in Romans. He's the head in Ephesians. He'll be the head in Corinthians. It doesn't matter where you go. Christ is still always the head. From whom the whole body, this is verse 16, joined and knit together, not apart. Christ is the head from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Someone's a hand. Someone's a joint. Someone's a finger. Someone's the joints in the fingers according to the effective working by which every part does its share. I need you. We need you. You need me. I need you. There's a part. And this causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So I'm sorry. There's no way for us to get away from each other if we want to be part of the body of Christ. We got to learn to live with each other. We got to learn to forgive each other. We got to learn to be better with one another. We got to be more graceful from the start. We got to be more loving from the start. We got to be more compassionate from the start. And what I have, I need to release. And what you have, you need to release. And this is how we're going to get into the stature and the fullness of Christ. That is how we're going to be able to resist the enemy so he can flee from us. That is how we're going to be able to fight and war in the spirit together when the enemy is plotting against us because we are a unified army already knit and joined together. Can you imagine if, if, you know, uh, if your house went under attack and you had nothing prepared? It's chaos and you're running here. Someone's running there. You're trying to grab a spoon, grab a spatula. <laughs> and many times that happens to the body of Christ. No one's together. 
No one's really united. No one's prayed up. No one's, no one's watching. No one's doing anything. Then Satan comes knocking, huffing, and puffing on the door like the big bad wolf. And the three little pigs are running to try to get together and now try to pray. But could you imagine if those three little pigs were praying and building brick houses the whole time and then the enemy came in? It's like, come on, boy, we're ready for a fight. <laughs> and that's what the church needs to be. We need to be ready for a fight. We got to be ready to throw down. You don't pray when something happens. You pray before something happens. And then when it happens, then you pray again. And everything you learned before, you bring it into the now. You got to know how to rebuke an evil spirit. You got to know how to rebuke a demon. You got to know how to stand and rebuke sickness and disease so that when sickness and disease comes, you're ready for it. But then sickness comes and everyone's like, oh, my God, who are we going to call? And that's when, when something goes down and you think of one person that's not good. <laughs> when there's only one person you can call to pray for you, that's not good. There should be more than one brother or sister in the church that, hey, if this person don't pick up, then I could call this person to stand and make two or three. And if that person don't pick up, I could call another two or three. And I thank God that every week on our prayer call, it's been three people different every week. We got multiple people that could pray for the sick, call heaven down, declare his promises, bring his power. That's a beautiful thing. And so like Ryan said, it still echoes in my heart. The enemy thought by shutting us, he thought he was shutting us down. No, he was just waking the church up. He woke us up. I was having a conversation with, with people. I said, we have done, peop, people have stepped into callings, have stepped into greater anointings in this time before we were together. And the enemy tried to separate us physically, but we got more united in spirit. And guess what? When we come together, we're not stopping everything we, we just learned. We ain't going to stop a prayer call. We're not going to stop that because we can come together and pray. No, we're going to keep that going. We're going to keep rotating people because more people have prayed and led prayer at a time like this than before all of this craziness. We can't be divided. It won't work. One time Jesus was healing the sick and casting out a demon. And they're like, he does that by the power of Beelzebub. Beelzebub, prince of devils, demons. And Jesus said... I can imagine Jesus saying, is that all you got? He's like, that doesn't work. He's like, how can Satan cast out Satan? You calling me Satan and you just saw I delivered someone from Satan. He's like, I'm sorry, guys. That does not work. And then Jesus goes on to say that Satan's, if, uh, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So Jesus, Jesus let us in on something. He says, the, the prince of the flesh, right? Satan is not divided within his own kingdom. You never get two demons rebuking each other. You never see them fighting. You don't see that in, in, in Satan's kingdom. You only see that in the church of God where this preacher's talking bad about that preacher. Where this sister's talking about that sister, this brother's talking about that one. Only in the kingdom of God, not even in Satan's kingdom, are they divided because they know they won't go anywhere that way. Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And so if we're against, if we're apart, if we're not knit, if we're not joined, we will not stand. Our victory will only be superficial. And let me tell you this, differences are okay. Divisions are not. 
There's a difference between divisions and differences. Now, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that main theme verse, right? Where it says, when we come together, everyone has something to bring. Let us all bring it so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's 1 Corinthians 14. But you know where it really starts? All of this talk about the body and the coming together. Paul is actually addressing an issue in the church of Corinth about when they come together, they are there, but they're not united. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. When they're coming together, they're supposed to be partaking of the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine. But when they come together, they're not. Some people are eating before the rest get there. Some of them are drinking. I can imagine one being drunk. You got drunk off the Lord's Supper? How much Lord, how much communion drink you took? For you to get there. And then Paul says, you guys got houses to eat if you're that hungry. When we come together to partake of the Lord's Supper, this is not about Thanksgiving meal that we're all eating to get full. The only reason why we're eating is for it to facilitate us sitting at a table together. And when we do that, we partake of the bread to acknowledge the body which was given for us. And we drink the drink so that we can acknowledge the blood of Christ for the remission of our sins. The food is just a prop to present harmony. He's like, but when you come together to take the Lord's Supper, you're not really in harmony. So can you imagine a church coming together every Sunday but not being really united together? That's just like the church at Corinth who were in the same place at the same time but had no common ground of spirit. So I want to be in spirit connected with my brother and sister. I don't want to just be in the same place. You ever been next to a brother or sister but not be in the same spirit? Ouch, it hurts. The tension in the spirit, the tension in the air. Something's not right. You know you're not united. He's your brother and sister of Christ, but you haven't talked to them in eight months, haven't said a word, haven't really shared anything together. It's going to be hard then, very, very hard to, to fight against the enemy when we're not really united in spirit. Very, very difficult. Div differences are okay. Divisions are a no-go. He says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. God forbid that more harm was done than good when we come together as a body of Christ. He is literally addressing them when they come to partake of the Lord's Supper together. He goes, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. He said, I believe the rumors. Verse 19, he goes, no doubt there has to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. He goes, I could deal with the differences. Someone is always right, someone is wrong, that's fine. But divisions? Difference of opinion, yeah, that's fine. We always get together and argue different opinions. We do it all the time when we talk about church matters behind the scenes. One pastor thinks this, another pastor thinks that. There's, there's those differences. But we have to make sure that, that Satan doesn't sneak into difference and create a division. Same thing in our heart. We get differences but a division is a whole nother story that will kill the church and that's what sets the transition to paul going on in the next chapter 12 chapter 13 chapter 14 all the way to the end where he's talking about the church coming together and being one body is because the body was there at the table but nothing was joined together just like when ezekiel saw the valley full of bones everything there needed to create a body 
As a matter of fact, when, when, when Ezekiel, when he prophesied and it all came together, it was an army. It wasn't just one person. He then saw it as an army built up. But the only reason why it's an army is because it's joined together. It doesn't matter if all the pieces are on the table. It doesn't matter if you and I, if we all show up, if there's no unity of spirit, if there's no connection at the joint, if the flesh is not there, if the tissue's not there, if the blood's not flowing, if the cells are not all connected, then why are we even there? It's only an army when it's together. And I'm trying to prep us for when we finally get there. The president just came on. He said, church will have it this Sunday. <laughs> I don't care whether you like him or not. I'm just saying, he's like, churches are going to come together this Sunday. He's like, and if your governor tries to override it, he's going to talk to me and deal with me. So what does that mean? It means that churches, we're coming, we're, we're coming to that place where soon we're going to be able, we're, uh, it's, we're considered an essential place of worship. So it's going to happen, right? We're all going to get there. We're going to all do our hair finally. Going to paint our nails and our toes. You're going to dress up from top to bottom, not just from the waist up. Right? We got people worshiping without shoes, but you don't see none of that. You don't see none of that because the, camera, the camera's up here. You're going to put your full outfit on. You're going to put your Sunday best on. But what's the point if we do all of that? What's the point if we open the church doors and we come in, but then we're still divided in spirit? So here's the time. There's a small window left. I feel this. There's a small window left for us to get it together. There's a small window left for us to really get connected in spirit. I don't got to be in your house to be connected to you. If I could connect in the spirit with you, if I could get into God's will and you get in God's will and we get on the same frequency, we'll feel the joining. We'll feel the knitting of the spirit. And then, oh my God, when we finally come together, no demon, no disease, no sickness, no threat will be able to stop the church of the living God. Why? Because we are the living church. If the living God has a valley of dead bones and dry bones, it doesn't matter if they're all there. Someone needs to prophesy for them to come together. Someone needs to speak life and speak air into them. And as we prophesy week after week, prayer call after prayer call, believing that we can do this standing together, little by little, the joints, the bones are starting to come together. When you start having faith and you didn't have faith and you start having peace and you're able to throw a prayer up, you're able to call somebody, you're able to evangelize, you're able to encourage someone, you're able to give in this time. You know what's happening? The body is starting to come together. We're starting to come in line with God's word. Let me tell you this. Even if we come together but we're not connected with God's word, then we're not really together. Because then we'll be an army against him. We need to be an army for him. So he has to be our head. There's no point if we all get hooked up. You know what happens? If you, could cut, you could lose an arm, you could lose a finger, you could lose a leg, you could even take out your appendix. <laughs> and, and the body will accommodate and be able to function. But if you take off the head, I've never seen no one walking around without a head. The minute the head comes off the body, the rest of the body shuts down. So it's not enough for us just all to agree. If we don't all agree in God's will, if we all say yes to something, a plan or idea, but it didn't come from God's head, 
then we're disconnected and whatever we try to accomplish is not going to be accomplished. So also, unity is not enough if we're not united with the headship of Christ. I'm going to leave 1 Corinthians 12 because that's where we were about to go for next week. There's so much in there, but I think we've said enough. I think we said enough to digest. I'm going to skip to my final verses. We need one another. We need God and we need one another. And when we find one another, we got to make sure that we're connected to the head. We have a grace. We have a gift. That gift is given by the Spirit of God. That's what we're going to go into next week, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to get into it. I don't have time, so I'm just going to kind of brush over it. But the gift that is coming out of you is by the Spirit of God. So if you have gifts of healing, it's by the Spirit of God. If you have discernment, it's by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read it. It's by the same Spirit, not a different Spirit. It's not a different spirit because you prophesy. It's not a different spirit because you heal the sick. It's not a different spirit because you speak in tongues. It's not a different spirit because you interpret the tongues. It's not a different. It's the same. One and the same spirit, okay? So that means this. If the spirit of God is flowing through you, when it comes out, in order for it to come out of you, this is how we also use the word anointed. You're anointed to do that. Spiritually, it's... It's not self-empowerment. It's empowerment that's coming by the Spirit. So you are anointed to prophesy. You're anointed to heal the sick. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one. And if we are connected to his body, then the church is anointed. But here's the thing. In order for us really to fulfill our callings, for us really to fulfill the commission of God, for us to do our purpose as a church, hear me. Your anointing needs to touch your brother's anointing. Your anointing needs to touch your brother's anointing. How many people remember when Jesus first called the disciples, when he called Peter and Andrew, right? They were brothers working together. Peter and Andrew were together on one boat. They were in partnership with one another. They were James and John. They had a boat, right? How many people remember that? And, and so Peter was fishing, the Bible tells us, and he was out all night and he caught nothing this is Luke chapter 6 you can find it nothing and so Jesus comes and he tells him hey man how about you go back out again and Peter's like man we've done this all night long and caught nothing but okay Jesus at your word now he didn't want to but look at this he submitted to the headship of Christ without having the principle there yet because the letter of the Corinthians was later but Peter submits himself to the headship of Christ, and he goes out. And look what it says. He goes out. Jesus tells him, throw your net. Cast down the nets. So Peter goes, okay, we're going to do this, Lord. I'm going to be obedient. He submits to the headship. He goes out, and he throws out. Look, uh, Luke 6, verse 6. It says, when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish. So they just went from catching nothing to catching a great number and their net was breaking. So much now was the catch that his net could not even contain the capacity of the catch. Now I want to tell you this. Peter's net was his gift. He was gifted to fish. Think of his net as his, he was anointed to fish, right? So look at this. Here now, 
his anointing was able to catch a great catch. His gift, his net, his ability was able to catch a great catch. Why? Because he listened to the headship of Christ. And so when you listen to the authority of God in your life, your gift will bring in a great catch or your gift will bring in a great harvest in so much that it will overflow. It'll be more than you thought. It'll be more than you expected. But here's the also truth about it. It'll be more than you can maintain. It'll be more than what you can actually carry and handle. So it's a gift, but the gift has weight to it. So look what happens. We never see this in the passage. So they signaled Peter to their partners. They signaled to their other brothers. It says, and in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees saying, Jesus, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Verse 9, for he had all who were with him were astonished at the catch and which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were his partners. He was united to James and John. So yes, he had his brother Andrew on the boat. They were anointed for a great catch. But when you let out your gift, it has such a weight to the anointing that the only way you might be able to catch it with your anointing but you need your brother and sisters other anointed to be able to carry the great catch you're anointed to catch fish but you're anointed let, let me tell you the gift of God is so strong on you that it'll bring people to your door. And next thing you know, you realize, like, man, I don't got enough hours in the day to minister to all these people. Not because you're not gifted enough, but you have to find your other partner. You got to find your James and John. You got to find the rest of the body because their anointing coming together with your anointing gives you the ability to carry the catch. So you can catch it, but you need your brother's anointing to carry it. When is the church going to learn that the show is over, and if you're really honest, you can't carry that weight. I learned a long time ago that I couldn't even carry the weight of preaching every single week. It was in the second year of ministry, and I knew I was anointed, and every week people would come after service, well, Pastor, it was like you spoke directly to me. I'm like, I didn't even know you was here, but praise the Lord. <laughs> it was like just you and me in the room. Like, I didn't even know you was in the room, but praise the Lord. I'm glad the Holy Ghost did that. And every week, then after, then after ministering, I would go home and just collapse because I was preaching, I was playing worship music with Lewis. I was the piano player and Lewis was the drummer and we were the two people carrying the weight. Pastor Tanya was singing, Pastor Sarai was singing also. The pastors were also the worship team and then we were anointed and people were coming in but over time we realized that we couldn't carry that weight. So let me tell you this pastors, this is why you have to build up other leaders. Leaders, let me tell you this. This is why you have to build up your volunteers because you are anointed to do what God has called you to do. You can bring in the catch, but you can't carry it by yourself. And then there was a moment where I said, I need your help. I'm, I'm panicking. I know there's a lot in this Bible, but I don't know if I could think of everything. I don't know if I could think of all the content week in and week out. Is there anyone else that cares for the message that is going to our church? And I got a handful of people who said, I care for what God is saying to the church. And we created what we called the creative team. And after that, we created this beautiful team of people who would come together, prayed up. They sought God, sought God for his word, for the church. And we would sit down and plan out a full year of content 
someone you I remember one person when I shared that news with them they were like but that doesn't really leave room for God to speak I said oh you think that God only speaks in the last moment of when you seek him if you seek him early he will give you an answer before the problem even comes and we will plan out the entire year and then life would happen throughout the entire year and we'll be like, oh my God, this is how we know it's God because we talked about this six months ago. We talked about this eight months ago. We would have never known that we were going through this situation, but this is the word that God released to us. Why? Because we came together to carry the way. So this is why when we read that we belong to one another is to know that my anointing is to help my brother bring in his catch so I thank God for all the pastors the teachers I was telling Jasenia yesterday like you and Pastor Mike did so phenomenal Brother Alex preached a lot recently oh my God so phenomenal Pastor Sarai who hadn't preached in months so phenomenal Pastor Mike so amazing their anointing comes in together with our anointing it's bringing in the catch so when we come together you get it now when we come together we should be able to carry a lot more why because there are more people who are working in their gift that's why i said the rest is over the break is over if you didn't find rest then oh my god we will pray for you but i need people to get ready to go out into the deep i need people to let out their nets when we come together so that's why you got to find your work because you're anointed you are anointed, and your anointing needs my anointing. My anointing needs your anointing. And can you imagine when you get That's why Jesus said, when two or three of you gather together in my name, I'm in the midst. Because I graced you not just with the gift of eternal life. I have graced you with a gift that comes from me. You have spiritual power that comes from heaven to do the miraculous, to do the supernatural that only comes from God. To lay hands on the sick and they be healed doesn't come from human power. That comes from the spirit of God himself. To raise the dead doesn't come from human power. That comes from the spirit of God. When you give words to someone, encouragement, and that, that brings life to them and hope, that doesn't come from yourself. That comes from the wisdom and the knowledge and the compassion and the heart of God. So when we come together, church, then we are unstoppable. Let us stand, let us pray. What do I want to get out from this prayer right now? That you have a part. You may not know what it is. You may not have discovered it. But you're gifted. Last week, I brought up the question, well, how do I find my calling? Because why? It's in your calling that you discover your work. And when you, can, when you discover your work and you fulfill your calling, together, when we come together, we are fulfilling the commission. So how do I find that? Be faithful to whatever is in front of you right now. It doesn't need to be a big assignment right now to be God's assignment. Let me tell you this. Many times, if not all times, before God gives you something large and reveals that to you, he has put in front of you something small to do. And once he sees you are faithful with a little, he will entrust you with more. And as he entrusts you with more, more is revealed. As you go deeper with him, more is revealed. But it starts with you being responsible to whatever is in front of you, no matter how small.
For some people who say, well, I don't sing, I don't preach, I don't, I'm not a musician. How do, I, how do I find purpose within the church? Pastor, when we come together, come and ask, how can I help? And when we direct you and what to do, what needs to be done in order for you to start serving, listen to that. But if you don't listen to the instruction, if you don't listen to the small thing that we ask you to do, I can almost promise you it's going to be very hard for you to discover the calling. And God is not going to unleash his anointing and power and might into the hands of irresponsibility. God wants to trust who he's releasing his power to. Find that brother and sister who you really connect with. Seek for unity in the whole church. Seek the peace. Be in spirit. But, but seek that person. God always puts someone in your path for you to connect with on another level. For every Peter, there's an Andrew. For every James, there's a John. For every David, there's a Jonathan. There's always, there's always someone that he's going to team you up with for you to go on this beautiful journey together. Find that unity. Join together. Seek discipleship. Seek strength within one another. Seek unity within the body. Do your part. But it's going to be very hard for you to be connected to a body of Christ if you don't do your part. If you come through the door, sit there, watch the show, walk out, I promise you, you're not going to feel connected to the body. Don't blame the church and say, oh, people are like this or that. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Don't blame, don't blame the church. Do your part. Look for connection. Look for the knitting together. Look for the coming together. So you can feel part of the body. And when you join together with a brother and a sister or a couple of brothers and sisters, you're going to start to feel that sense of family, that sense of bonding. And that small circle will help you unite with the larger circle of the church. And as you get into unity, then God will also help release your gift and direct you. But if you stay on the outside, you're never going to find it. Let us pray. Let's pray first for the person that doesn't know God. If you're watching and you never have trusted or surrendered, and today you heard this message and you say, oh, when I say surrender, I'm submitting myself to the headship of Christ. I want to pray for you right now if you're watching. If you maybe served the Lord, grew up in church, but as you got older, you have departed. You know about church, you know about God, but he's not, you don't have intimacy with God. I want to tell you, God is a very intimate God. And he wants to know you, not just for what he can get out of you, it's because he truly does love you. He created you. He loves you. God sees something in you, powerful and amazing. And you are a gift to the body. You're a gift to us. And so how do you join that body? You say yes and you invite Jesus to be your Savior. He died on the cross. His blood pardoned our sin. And in him we have eternal life. So it's very simple. The Bible says, for by grace we are saved. It is a gift of God, not for someone to boast. You don't have to do anything to be saved. You don't have to be someone first to be saved. You simply have to just invite God in and say, Jesus, I want you and I accept your sacrifice. And be the Lord of my life. I accept your headship and surrender your will. And this, this amazing journey begins. So just pray this right now. Dear Jesus, come into my heart by faith and with my mouth. I confess my sins and I receive you. I believe by faith that you died on the cross for my sin. I receive that sacrifice. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my authority. I surrender my headship. 
I surrender my will for yours. Be the king of my life. Take your reign. Have supremacy. I trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, then we believe the Bible tells us that there is a celebration in heaven right now. We celebrate you. This is a new journey for you. I want you to stay connected. Follow us. We have a prayer call on Tuesday. They're going to give you that information. Join. Be connected in spirit by prayer. We have services on Thursday. You're able to join us. Be connected. We have Sunday on service. Join us again. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be close. That's something that we learned. You don't have to be in the state to be part of the body of Christ. You just need to be connected in spirit to the Lord, his headship, and to fellow brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter where they are at. And this is a journey, and I want to say this to be held accountable to it, okay? As I preached last week, I said that every man must find his work and that the rest is over, right? And that I believe that God is going to reveal new work to people during this time. And I began to pray and said, I don't get a pass on that, right? <laughs> I can't say, oh, I'll just go back to preaching. No. I started to pray and said, God, what is... I, the excuse is, oh, I do a lot already. But I said, no, God, I'm going to pray. You must have some kind of work special for me to do in this season. And so I prayed. And now God brought me back to before we stepped into this year. I had a meeting with the pastors. And we declared that 2020 would be the year of discipleship. And we had created on paper how we would assign people to help with real discipleship within our church. And that was one of the things that we wanted to get to in 2020. We, we introduced it behind the scenes with some people, and the plan was to see how that would go if that way of doing it was working so that then we could later branch it out into the rest of the church and get it really thriving through the church. Then everything happened, and we never got there. God put it on my heart during this time. He brought back to memory the year of discipleship, and God gave, has given me a special way to work on that to create discipleship material for new believers and for our church to make it accessible to everyone. A series, and God has begun giving me messages, and I say that to be accountable, so that if in two weeks from this day, there is not at least one course release, they'll be like, yo, Pastor, remember that service in your house? Because I feel in my heart I have to do this and I have to do this now. And I am so thrilled. I'm so excited to do it. I was sharing with someone yesterday, right? I was like, yo, look, 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 look at all of this. This is going to be phenomenal. And I'm actually so excited to sit down and create this, this work. So in my heart right now is a discipleship through, through this way. The, the enemy is not going to stop discipleship just because we cannot come together. So now what I want you to do today, pray and say, God, reveal to me if there is new or special work beyond what I am used to or am currently doing, I want to do your specific will in this season. And trust me, I know if you are sincere, God's going to reveal to you the work assigned to you in this season. Amen? Give God a round of applause. Thank you so much.